are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments, scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Sharkchild, and this is The Dark Verse, testament scrawled in hidden places and on nether things, with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. The future holds many possibilities of entertainment. This is one of them. This is episode 80 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled Age of Thaumaturgics. With sweaty, trembling hands, I entered the floor of Condor Stadium. Each and every sound of my bodily existence was muted by the humming ruckus pulsating between expectant members of the critical audience. My breaths were hollow, my steps were unheard, and the beating of my heart reverberated within me in empty concussions. The blood in my veins carried the panic of my mind's fight to keep disciplined form against the cacophony around me and the significant decibels of its endless deliverance. I walked towards the cylindrical platform looming in the center of the stadium as it waited for me to give it meaning. It stood thirty feet high with a diameter of ten feet and a stairway winding around it. On top of the platform was the housing of my performance, a workstation comprised of a horseshoe work table, a chair, tools including screwdrivers, hammers, wrenches, soldering guns, and ratchets, and parts including gears, cogs, bolts, screws, boards, glass, pipes, metal plates, and circuitry. For the next three hours, I would be the center of attention. The genius of my mind and the adeptness of my hands would be tested by the thousands of onlookers hungering to embrace the brilliance of my success or devour me in the pitilessness of my failure. The crowd had to be amazed. It had to be amazed or I would no longer have my place within the grandeur of Condor Stadium. This was my life. To entertain beyond the dreams of madness with nothing but the gadgets, apparatuses, and magics of my creations. And it was called Inveritin. I was a performer of public alchemy and science in an industry that had taken reign beyond that of fantasy and fiction, film, and sport. There were many forms of entertainment that thrilled the minds of humankind, but nothing entertained so sublimely as Inveritin. Halfway up the stairs to my workstation, I halted to take in the moment. I thought about where I was and what I was about to do. The experience before the experience. What the audience did not know was that I was more than an entertainer. I was the archetype of the future world. I, with sheer, uncanny ability, could warp the present into the unknown. I could break laws and make them. This night was going to be different. 
and the audience would be more than astounded by the feats that my performance would hold. I continued up the rest of the stairs with confidence and purpose. When I reached the platform, I addressed the audience with a flicker of greeting hand gestures. Then I sat upon my chair and waited for the cue of my extravagant labor to begin. The lights dimmed and then darkened. Triumphant and epic music erupted. A booming voice spoke. Before you now, a master of the material awaits. He readies his mind. He loosens his hands. As your guide, he will lead you beyond what is spectacular and further than what is boundless. He will rapture your will and succumb it to the marvel of Inveritin. The crowd erupted with approval. All lights reemerged, now focused on my craft and me. Inveritin had begun. I began to work at once, even as the drum of cheers enraptured the moment, as to waste no time in completing the visions of my mind. First, I gathered the materials I would require, and second, I acquired the tools needed to bind them. As I toiled, twelve aspiring inveritors emerged from doors lining the ovular floor of the stadium and walked to equidistant points around the floor's perimeter. At these locations, they began to entertain with accomplishments of the craft, accentuating the two-hour construction period allotted to me with alluring contraptions and acts. In the blur of my hasty work, I ignored all things. I ignored the roars of approval and disapproval from the crowd towards the novice performers. I ignored the pain of my arthritis. I ignored the longings of the woman I loved. Within this vigorous focus, time escaped me falling away like dominoes lined up and knocked over. But I completed what I set out to create. With two minutes and thirty-eight seconds to spare, I laid my hands down in rest. I sat with excitement in that moment, and also the weight of nervousness, as I anticipated the unveiling of my invention. There could be no testing. There could be no prototypes. What was made had to work, or I would be an inveritor no longer. One minute until the wonder of your hearts are overtaken and the sea of possibility is exposed. One more minute. Thirty seconds until miracles become reality. Ten seconds until your life is ever altered. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This is Inveritin. When the construction period timed out, a hazy red light coated the stadium and a deep, loud hum accompanied it. While this atmosphere was present, the other entertainers left through the doors they had entered by, leaving me to unleash my creation to the eyes, ears, and minds of Condor Stadium, to either shake the foundations of what were thought to only be reveries, or to destroy my name and forever banish myself from the glorious limelight of the greatest show in the world. The red light went out and the hum ceased. The shouts of the crowd subsided and all waited in darkness. Black lights then erupted from the floors of my platform and all eyes went to me. It was time for the main event to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the almighty power of Timbal Skyven. I activated the newly created device lying atop the workbench in front of me. It was a brass orb the size of a helmet filled with a meticulously placed amalgamation of gears and circuitry. 
At the bottom of the orb was a circular opening that, within its space, held a line of razor-sharp blades intermingled with tubes. Once the invention was on, the blades began to spin with incredible speed, and the tubes began to suck and push like vacuums. An empty rattle ricocheted within the orb that clicked and hissed as if it were a machine running without oil. Without hesitating, I took the orb and placed it atop my head. In the moment before the blades tasted my flesh, I had a recollection of birth. That place in life when I first became aware of consciousness and entered the tangible existence suppressed by infringing laws and sciences that still bound the crowd around me. They bound the crowd, but they bound me no longer. The orb cut down on my head, down through skull, down through brain, down through face, down through jaw, and finally down through neck, at which point the blades jammed ceased their cutting motions as they were designed to do, and fastened to my body with a seal of body and machine. The device began to suck blood and other fluids into its core, changing the rattling sound to a steady buzz of streamlined function. The crowd was silenced. It was devoured by acute terror and confusion, an inability to access the present within terms of reason. My beloved watched, and with such a vision, I knew her heart rested within her stomach as a churning mess of oblivion. As all gawked at the scene, the real performance began. While the machine consumed my head and went on to reform the circulation of my bodily fluids, the full capacity of the gears and circuitry came to life. My memories and mind were woven into the device while the true function of its existence was allowed to initiate. Using my body and essence as a host, the invention emitted a cross-dimensional beacon and opened a wound in time and space. My body fell limp within my workstation as it was thrust into a new process of life. No more did I solely reside in my body. My world had become one of astral travel, travel between dimensions and time and away from the hold of existence. Upon entering these travels, I came into a new birth and entered a medium of unimaginable consciousness. I became a master and gatekeeper of other worlds and attained the pleasure of choosing the spectacle for my eye and audience. Through tunnels of darkness I traveled, darkness not from the void of light, but darkness from darkness's root, the antithesis of matter. I plummeted through the hells of chaos and disruption. Things unknown were known, and things understood were lost to confusion. Not long thereafter, I was funneling the world around me through myself into Condor Stadium. I called forth the world beyond death. From the nether of existence I materialized what was not to be meddled with and gave it flesh to be seen, scent to be smelled, and emotion to be inflicted. As it poured through the device and me, it entered corporeality like ink flowing into water. Beasts from beyond death came to form and to life. Figures of dark skin covered in writhing horns leapt out and landed on hoof-like feet. Fluid amoeba and plant-like entities curled out and began to consume the floors of Condor Stadium under unending chalky growth. Sinister winged things covered in tentacles soared upwards and flew as if they were climbing upon air rather than gliding through it. Condor Stadium filled with ancient fear as a nemesis world flooded into being. 
Nothing but gulps of air could be heard. No one dared attract the attention of the creatures. Even as the growths on the floor extended up into the audience and began to cover them, they did not resist, for they were filled with a deep terror. For a time, the beasts from beyond death with legs stood in place, and the beasts from beyond death with wings remained in the air. But when I suspended the fissure between the worlds, they leapt upon the crowds of the stadium. They touched, they scratched, they tore, and gorged themselves on the flesh of man in the most abhorrent of methods. After an hour of a frenzied massacre, and when the stadium was nothing more than the carcass of a carnal feasting, I activated the final mechanism within the orb I had created. Again, a cross-dimensional beacon was emitted. This beacon removed me from my astral travels and placed me back within my physical body. As this occurred, the beasts from beyond death were pulled back from where they came and sentenced again to the pandemonium of unconformity. The crossover of worlds was then mended, and the tangible realm reconstructed itself. Bone, tissue, and organs leapt back together to form the audience of Condor Stadium, canceling out the results of interdimensional impossibility. Blood remained sprawled across the seats and floors, but the people that once were now existed again, retaining their memories of the event, of the pain of its torture and horror, and of the death. I stood from where I had fallen within my workstation with the orb as my new head and bowed four times, in four different directions, to the psychologically decimated audience of Inveritin, the greatest show in the world. That concludes episode 80 of The Dark Verse. Download all of the past episodes at thedarkverse.com or on iTunes. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. <laughs>